Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. Hello and welcome to Born of Wonder. I'm Katie Marquette and on this podcast we explore anything and everything that inspires wonder and awe in the world. And today we're celebrating the art of hibernation, of listening to the seasons, of listening to our bodies, of being okay with periods of rest as we enter this cold, dark time of year. Uh, I know I've already done an episode about sort of embracing the darkness, finding ways to bring some light and coziness into uh, those early, early sunsets and uh, long nights. Um, But today I was really inspired by a Substack post by Catherine May. Uh, who wrote the book Wintering, who I, um, I've i often quoted from that book, especially around the winter solstice and about uh, the art of listening to the seasons and living in tune with the seasons. But she wrote a great post called The Art of Hibernation, and she gives um, five tips for how to uh, sort of allow ourselves to embrace uh, the idea of hibernation this time of year and uh, and how that can be so, so good for us. So I'm going to sort of uh, go through those tips that she gives uh, and elaborate on them a little bit. I am also going to tell you a little bit about how animals hibernate. Um, it's pretty fascinating. And uh, then I'm going to um, play you this uh, a great Christmas carol. So you'll have to wait and see which one. I know it's not even Advent yet, but... At least in our house, you know, Jojo's been asking to go to Christmas for a couple weeks now. So <laughs> we are, we're in it. We're in it. I didn't wait to de- decorate. We're, we're enjoying ourselves. So we're, we're keeping the, the, the lights going. Our whole living room is like strung in these warm twinkle lights and I don't regret it. It's lovely. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe hibernation is a good thing to be thinking about if you are still going through your Thanksgiving leftovers. Uh, we still are. I think we have like another day that we could eat Thanksgiving leftovers. And <laughs> um, it's always um, a time for just introspection and, you know, relaxing if you can. <laughs> As I wrote in a recent Substack post, that's one of the things I really struggle with with young kids is like I really love getting together with lots of people and things like that but I also really need my recovery time and that's so hard to find with little kids they it's so bizarre to me how much they don't want to sleep or relax it's just but I, I remember that I remember that being a kid and nap time and things like that were just so boring why would anybody want to do that and now if somebody gave me a nap time I would be thrilled can you imagine two hours every day and like you're just like tucked in with books and like white noise sounds and <laughs> you can sleep or read or do whatever you want for two hours. I mean, what a gift, you know. Uh, we don't know how good we have it when we have it, right? So, um, but as I've, I said in some previous episodes, I've gone to bed around eight o'clock uh, many times <laughs> in the past few weeks. 
And I had a friend message me after she listened to that and she was like, what? Like, how does this work? How are you getting anything done? Like, what is going on? How can you possibly be tired enough to go to bed at eight o'clock? And um, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of, like, I voice memoed her back, like sort of a long explanation. Um, but obviously I don't go to bed at eight o'clock every night, but um uh, especially if I have a podcast I need to do to come out the next day. But um, I do get up quite early because the baby gets up quite early. Animals need to be fed and things like that need to happen quite early. So our days, you know, normally start sometime between 5 and 6 a.m. So I'm quite tired by by 8 o'clock. I, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go to bed. And I've found it's easier to wind the kids down on the earlier side um, because uh, our toddler is much more willing to consider bedtime if the son has also gone to bed. So, you know, it's reasonable (laughs) to go to bed if the son has gone to bed. So, you know, they're going to bed earlier and, uh, and yeah, by the time eight o'clock rolls around, I'm, I'm ready to get in bed. I'm tired. (laughs) And I think a lot of tension in life is uh, sort of, uh, about ignoring um, the way things are uh, or like the needs of our bodies in different seasons, um, emotional seasons, uh, as well as, you know, um, seasons of the year. And I think that there's a lot less stress when we're just okay with that, you know, if we stop trying to live like we don't need to hibernate sometimes. And animals understand this. They understand this so well that, you know, it's um, it's a matter of survival to uh, live differently in winter months. And we don't hibernate. Human beings don't hibernate in the way that animals do. But we do, I think, um, need more rest. And I think that our bodies need that. And we've sort of tricked ourselves into thinking that life goes on as usual with our, you know, heated houses and our electric lights and everything like that, that we can sort of live outside of the seasons. But I think that... Um, you know, if we let ourselves, we can fall back into those rhythms and probably experience a lot less tension with uh, the outside world this time of year if we just allow ourselves to embrace that. So um, I'm going to read to you a little bit from Catherine May here. And uh, I'm also, like I said, going to explain to you a little bit about what uh, what um, animals do when they hibernate. So I hope that this will be fun and cozy and enlightening for you. But I'm going to get us in the mood here um, by playing um, some piano music that Chris played for us. So uh, my husband played. So we'll get sort of relaxed and cozy. I've got my cinnamon apple tea here and uh, and we can just start thinking about hibernating, start thinking about getting under the covers and uh, going to bed early and just embracing it and just being okay with that. So uh, but first, I'm just going to tell you, follow me on Substack. I would love to connect with you there. We just hit over a thousand subscribers. That's very exciting. Thank you so much uh, to those of you who do subscribe or have shared uh, shared the Substack. Um, I really like it there. I know I talk about it a lot, but I hope I find you over there, especially since there's no social media anymore. So you got to help me prove that you don't need social media in order to be a creative person in the world. So following along on Substack, you can help me kind of stick it to social media. (laughs) So uh, yes, you can find me there, link in the show notes um, or bornofwonder.com. So anyway, without further ado, let's get going. Let's relax, sip your tea, get under the covers, and let's get ready to hibernate.
As I write, we're just a month away from the winter solstice, and my own body feels like it's yearning to hibernate too. The dark mornings make me want to burrow deeper under the covers, and the early evenings make sleep beckon from every corner. I experience a definite slowing at this time of year, a distinct pull toward inactivity. It's as though some unseen hand has reached into the universe's control panel and increased inertia, adding an extra drag to each new action. I am being pulled inwards, towards slowness and stillness. Resistance is increasingly futile. Humans, of course, do not actually hibernate. The only primate to do that is the fat-tailed dwarf lemur, which lives in Madagascar. But we do know that our bodies respond to colder weather and darker conditions in a variety of ways, including a thickening of the blood and an increase in body fat. Some anthropologists think that prehistoric humans may have hibernated through the harshest months. Our contemporary tendency is to fight hard against our hivernal instincts and to maintain the same relentless activity levels the whole year through. We can barely imagine what our bodies would do if we let them. But if we look to nature, including our own biology, we can pick up some cues for a more restful winter. I'm quoting there from Catherine May's Substack article, The Art of Hibernation. So before we get into her tips, I want to explore what is hibernation? What is it? What happens? Hibernation is a state of extreme inactivity. It is not the same as sleep. Um, you know, when you're sleeping uh, or when an animal is sleeping, their body temperature drops a little bit. Um, but when a, when they're hibernating, the body temperature will go all the way down to uh, almost what it is outside. So very, very cold. Um, so for example, a hedgehog, so for example, a hedgehog, uh, when it starts to, to hibernate, its metabolic rate will be 2% of its normal summer activity. And its heart rate will drop from 110 to 150 beats per minute down to anywhere between 5 and 70 beats per minute. Five beats per minute. Can you imagine how slowly this is uh, happening? How much the body is able to just sort of exist in this uh, sort of very close uh, to sort of non-existent state. Um, the breathing also it alters very drastically. Again, example of a hedgehog here from where I'm reading. I'll put a link to this article in the show notes. Um, a hedgehog breathes about 25 times a minute normally, um, regularly, ryth rhythmically, but in deep hibernation, it can go two hours without a single breath. And when it does resume, it does 40 to 50 rapid breaths that tail off until the, until, until the long gap to next time. Wow, that's so crazy, right? And so all these animals that hibernate, they eat like crazy uh, in the autumn, trying to build up lots and lots of fat um, because that will be their fuel store as they are in this inactive, so, you know, hazy sleep state that, that they, they, they need to have food right on their bodies. So that this is amazing. Um, so it's not sleep um, and different animals hibernate very differently. Like chipmunks will hibernate for a few days at a time and then wake up and then go back to, into a state of hibernation. Some animals like bears will hibernate for months at a time. Um, so it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, and then, so these bouts of torpidity are regularly interrupted by periods of so-called euthy 
oh my goodness, euthermia, which is when the animal heats up, wakes up, may move around for several hours or even longer, breaking its hibernation. Uh, I also read elsewhere that, you know, bears will start to give birth while they are hibernating and it will wake them up. Can you imagine what a rude awakening? Um, so so it's, it's, again, it's not uh, the same among all animals, but basically the goal of hibernation is to keep the animal alive through bitter cold and lack of food resources. So instead of sort of struggling to uh, survive uh, at, at full capacity, at full energy um, with all the food and heating and everything else of the body that that requires during these harsh winter months, these animals' um, biology very intelligently decides it's much better to sort of go into this stupor um, for a little while to get yourself through the winter. So as, uh, as Catherine May tells us, human beings don't uh, hibernate, not the norm for primates in general to hibernate. But, uh, but we, do, we do adjust to cold weather and we act differently in cold weather. And I think, again, it's, it's silly to pretend that we don't or that we don't need to act differently at different times of year. So I'm just going to go through her tips here um, to adjust your body for this slowing time of year. So this first one really fits in with my um, my 8, 8 p.m. bedtime. She says to abandon clock time. When the darkest part of the year arrives, we start craving our bed at what seems like a ridiculously early hour. Uh, yes, relatable. Um, <laughs> but it's only clock time that's telling us that our instincts are wrong. Our bodies are continuing a pattern we've followed for millennia. Instead of trying to impose an artificial system over the natural patterns of the year, adapt as much as you can to winter hours by drinking in natural light during the day and taking a moment to notice the dawn and dusk. This may well mean a sleepier winter, but you'll also notice a balancing spike of energy in the summer. Okay, well, I'm counting on that because as you all know, I have no energy in the summer, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I'm just a very sleepy person. I don't know. It's funny because I actually suffer from insomnia much of the time. <laughs> so uh, I guess I'm just like, if I have the urge to sleep, I just, I don't resist it. Um, and if a, if the babies are sleeping at the same time, like I would be so foolish to ignore that. Um, but I love this advice to ignore the clock. You know, I mean, yes, 8 p.m. sounds early, but the sun has been down for like three hours at that point. And um, I'm up before the sunrise. So it is not an you know, abnormal thing to sort of rise with the sun and go to bed with the sun. It's a very natural thing. Um, So here's the other thing she mentions, which I have looked into before too, which is this idea of the watch. So here's from Catherine May. She writes, historian E. Roger Eckert uncovers what went on during those long winter nights before the advent of electric light. Not only did people sleep for longer, but they fell into a natural pattern of two sleeps with a long period of waking in the middle, sometimes known as the watch. This was a very special part of the day, a quiet time, free of the pressures of work and social life. And I I mean, this has also been called the witching hour. Um, and, you know, around that 2 a.m., 3, 3 a.m., there's a lot of, a lot of research has gone into that we're actually... Um, it's very natural for us to wake at that time. And I think many of us anecdotally have experience of waking up during that time of night, uh, especially if you go to bed on the earlier side. And that actually it would be quite natural to wake up then for an hour or two, 
get a few things done. I'm sure back in the day, you'd be tending the fire, among other things, um, and then go back to sleep for a couple more hours before the sun rises. So maybe if you get that restless urge in the middle of the night, especially if you've gone to bed early, instead of fighting it, you know, pick up a book, read a few pages, you'll probably fall back asleep pretty soon anyway, but just to sort of view that as a really sort of sacred, calm time and not to uh, freak out, <laughs> as I sometimes do, of, uh, oh my gosh, I'm up in the middle of the night and, you know, I'll be, it's going to be morning before I know it, I need to get back to sleep, you know, to just sort of listen to the rhythm of your body, what it's asking of you, um, you know, maybe there's a reason you need to be up and you know, have that calm, still time uh, in the middle of the night. Next advice she gives is, uh, she, she calls it denning. So she writes here about what I brought up about bears um, starting to uh, give birth while they are hibernating, and this is called denning. So she writes, um, the behavior of pregnant female bears retreating to their den and staying there as their cubs are born. The mother is not sleeping because she needs to care for her cubs, but instead she creates a warm, safe space in which they can all rest together. This is a useful idea for humans, the idea that we might retreat at our most fragile moments, cutting our external distractions in order to take the best care of ourselves. We cannot stay in our dens forever, but we can forgive ourselves when we need to retreat a while, and even allow ourselves to take pleasure in that cozy time. So there's, oh wow, there's so much to think about here too, especially with the way that we do birth now and everything like that, how it's, you know, those glaring fluorescent lights in a hospital room. I mean, many hospitals try to make it, you know, so that you can have your relaxation space. I think I'm going to, if we have another baby, I think I'm going to bring those warm twinkle lights to, to the hospital next time. Um, that could really make a big difference. But you know that we need to create safe spaces during times of like physical and emotional turmoil and so maybe we're not in turmoil right now but we're certainly in a place of retreat uh, or many of us are we feel that way this time of year and it's good to sort of create a positive cozy space for ourselves to take care of ourselves and others to take care of our family so you can go back and listen to that episode I did about um, embracing the, the, the fading light um, for some tips about what we can do to make these spaces cozy and inviting uh, in these long winter nights. Next, she writes to make and mend. Long winter hours trapped indoors by inclement weather invite a different mode of doing. No longer in a hurry, we have time to sort through the detritus of the previous phase of life, to relinquish what we no longer need, to repair and restore what we want to keep. Winter is always industrious for me, but in a different way to summer. It's a season when I'm drawn to slower crafts, knitting, preserving, the polishing of treasured things. There's a long tradition of bringing greenery into the home at midwinter. Branches of holly and pine, sprigs of ivy, berries from the rowan, spindle and hawthorn, pine cones, conkers. This is another slow practice, inviting care and attention, but it's, an also, but it's also an exchange with the wild and part of the craft of maintaining a hibernation nest. I love that. I love the idea of uh, bringing greenery in at midwinter. That's such a beautiful tradition. Okay, so her last piece of advice here is to think differently. Midwinter is a reflective time, a period of ruminative evaluation, a pause in the gear which allows us to gather ourselves again. This might mean gestating new plans, imagining new lives, but it can have a keener edge too. 
a space opens here to feel the kind of emotions that tend to get buried in the rush of the lighter months. Regret, sadness, grief. If you've never done so before or have fallen off the wagon, this is the perfect time to open the pages of a journal and pour it all out onto the page. It's also a time when thoughts merge with dreams, when the symbolism of the dying year collides with the birth of a new one. In our own brumation, we get the rare chance to dance with liminality, to drift between different worlds, and to make the imaginative leaps that will light the months to come. I can think of few things more enticing. I love that. She wrote that so beautifully there at the end. Um, I love that where, where she writes, drifting between different worlds, dance with liminality. Yes, there's so much just sort of invitation to imagination this time of year. Um, probably, I, I might be my favorite Shakespeare play is A Winter's Tale. And there's a line from it that goes, a sad tale's best for winter. I have one of sprites and goblins. And there's something, yeah, just something that, that invites the imagination um and yes something a little melancholy about it too like there's sort of this uh sad fairy tale air right about um you know these dark long nights and you think about people who used to be sitting around the fire telling stories into the night and things like that there's sort of an invitation to do that to think about that to be open to these possibilities so i hope that you will embrace it i hope you will join me in hibernating and uh and just yeah and not fight it so much just if you're if you need to rest rest if you can rest you know thank god for the opportunity to rest so um i hope that was inspiring for you and now i'm going to end with um a choir rendition from uh from the lincoln cathedral choir of good king wenceslas okay this is i remember i think this was the first song i learned on the piano you know it's a quite a simple melody um and it was I, in my piano lessons i think it was the first song that i learned and uh yeah so i just sort of have a fondness for it and my toddler loves it joe loves this song <laughs> she sings it constantly with varying lyrics and uh she's pretty good i mean she holds the tune pretty well um but we are just the singing good king wenceslas just all day every day around here so um i just love that um if you don't know um good king wenceslas is a saint yep he's he's sainted his feast day is the 28th of september it's one of my best friend's birthdays um she's not catholic but she's very interested in the saints and i when i told her that sort of her special feast day patron was um saint wenceslas she's like like the christmas carol and yes he was a real person a real king he was assassinated um and uh yeah there's some great stories around him of course of him helping the poor and giving alms and that's the story we hear in the carol but um there's also a great uh great legend um so there's a saint wenceslas statue in prague and the story goes that if the Czech Republic is in danger, the statue of King Wenceslas will come to life and raise a sleeping army, revealing a legendary sword to bring peace to the land. So that, uh, you know, so let's keep an eye on uh, the Czech Republic, because uh, if anything happens, uh, they have a mystical uh, King Wenceslas statue to defend them. So kind of like to see that, not going to lie. Um, the song itself, the words to the carol were written in 1853 by John Mason Neal, but the tune is quite old. It's from the 13th century, and uh, it's from uh, a song called Tempus Addis Floridium in praise of the spring, so sort of ironic. 
The carol was written for the feast of St. Stephen, better known as Boxing Day, and it celebrates the long tradition of charitable giving on the second day of Christmas. Uh, and, you know, the Beatles even performed Good King Wenceslas. So <laughs> everybody's everybody's done this song, right? So I hope you enjoy the carol. Um, we're going to be launching into Advent here uh, this coming Sunday. On Substack, I'm going to start sharing um, my Advent guide uh, for watching Lord of the Rings. So I hope that maybe you'll join us over there. Um, but it, it's a great time of year. It's a busy time of year. And, you know, it can be too busy sort of for what we're craving right now or what I'm craving um that sort of retreat so um when and where you can I hope you find the time and I hope that these sort of ruminations about hibernation give you permission and uh inspiration to do that so thank you so much for listening as always I'm Katie Marquette and this is Born